just like uh, they said, God calls us to worship, and it's only God who can help us see and understand and apply the scriptures to our lives. So let's pray and ask that the Holy Spirit will do this for us now. Please pray that prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come and worship you. How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. And how good and pleasant it is to be with you. To taste and see that you are good. God, we come to your word tonight as needy people. People who are tired from the sin and suffering in this world. People who are tired because of division and strife. People who are tired because of our own sin. People who are tired for reasons we can't even explain. We come, some of us today, excited and enthusiastic about the prospect of change. And others bored and angry and bitter because they're coming to another camp. We pray that wherever we are at tonight that you would meet us. That your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and our minds to see the grace of the gospel in your word and in your son. And I pray that you help us to believe it in faith. Receive it. And to let it refresh us and renew us. God, I pray throughout this week that we would uh, come away renewed in strength to love you and follow you and to make you known. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Shane, can, can I raise that microphone up just for yeah. the fact? You don't got to put it right next. Yeah, right inside Is this his first week? Is he a first year camper? He is a first year camper, isn't he? Is that all right? Shane, I respect you for causing as much trouble as possible. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I'll take that as a challenge. Take that as a challenge. Uh, so, you know, let's, let's make it fun this week. Uh, you know, if you see me breaking any of the camp rules, then I'll follow the same, you know, I'll, I'll take the punishment, right? And maybe you can even take a selfie with me as I'm, you know, participating in it, right? So I'll have my napkin in my left, you catch me, I'll do 10 push-ups, and then you can take a selfie with me in, and then post it on the gram and say, ah, I made the speaker do push-ups, okay, or whatever. Twitter or the Facebook or the Snapchat or whatever you guys want to use. Okay, let's, let's make it fun. Is that still a thing? Snapchat, maybe. Hashtag YXL 2020. Hashtag YXL lit 2021. All right? So, uh, as Jeremy said, my name's Shane Hatfield. I am the pastor at Ethos Presbyterian Church. My family's here. You guys stand up. Uh, my wife Sherry's in the back. And then. She's always 25. She never gets a day older than 25. And then my son Tucker's there. He's 13. And then Emery is nine, and then Francis is six. And both Jeremy and my nine-year-old said to keep it short, so I will try to do that this evening. We'll try to get it below an hour. All right, that's the goal, it's below an hour. Uh, we enjoy all kinds of outdoor activities. We love to just be outdoors and play, play sports, games, that kind of stuff. Uh, we love to have uh, people over our home to play card games or board games or whatever, and we love to eat. At dinner, JR said, your family has a healthy appetite. I said, that's because they're part hobbit. They would eat six times a day. If I could feed them six times a day, but I don't have the money to feed them six times a day. But, so we love to eat and drink and be married and play games, and we're excited to be here with you guys this week and to do those things. 
We are going to talk about endurance, and as a transition into that topic, I want to tell you about my life and my testimony so you guys can get to know me a little bit, and maybe you can uh, relate to me some. I grew up in Coweta, Oklahoma, which is a small town outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. I grew up on a farm there, uh, was raised in Coweta my entire life. I grew up in a good home, but not a Christian home. I had a mother and father that loved me and tried to teach me right from wrong, but our church was the ball field or the sand dunes or the lake or just kind of whatever activity we were into at the time. Like That's what we did on the weekends. So my exposure to church actually came through evangelism. I was the guy people were always inviting to VBS or inviting to church camp. Uh, I would go with people whenever I would stay the night with somebody, they would take me to church the next day. That's how I heard about Jesus and the gospel and all of those things, right? And so um, I didn't want really to grow up in a Christian home, and, I, and even though I learned those things, I didn't really understand them. And about the time I was in, oh, probably about the 8th, ninth, 10th grade, somewhere around in there, like many of you, I had to decide who I was going to be. I started thinking about what kind of person am I? What did, you know, the technical term is identity. What is my identity? Okay? And I decided that I was going to be three things. I was going to be a good student. I was going to study hard in school, try hard, and do well in school. I was going to be a good baseball player. I would do whatever it took to be as good a baseball player as possible. And I was going to be a partier. I was going to have fun. When I wasn't working hard at school and baseball, I was going to play hard with my friends. And so I threw myself 100% into those three things. And as you can imagine, that led to uh, lots of destruction. Uh, about the time I was in 10th grade, I had given up baseball so I could party more, and I was doing okay in school. You know, I could kind of separate those two things. At Coweta High School wasn't that hard. It's pretty easy. But I, about the 10th grade, had just made a total mess of my life from partying. Just messed everything up. That was a summer uh, before my junior year of high school, and I'd been around church enough to know that if anything was going to change, I needed to go to church camp, and I needed to actually listen to what the pastor said. And when I asked my mom if I could go to church camp, she asked a very logical question. She said, are you sure they want your kind there? And I said, yeah, I actually think I'm exactly the kind of person I want to go there. And she said, okay, if they'll let you go, then you can go. So I went to church camp that year, and I actually listened to the speaker instead of chasing girls, which is what I normally did. And what I heard was that my sin was bringing shame and guilt and condemnation. And that because of my sin, I was under God's wrath. But because of God's grace, I could be saved. And so I gave my life to Christ, and I began following Jesus at the age of 16. And when I began following Jesus, I did it the only way I knew how, and that was to throw myself into it 100%, to give it every single thing that I had. And because I was a baseball player and I had a baseball mindset, I approached the Christian life as a sprint. People would always ask me, do you like to run? And I would say, no, that's why I play baseball. I run 90 feet at a time. You have any baseball players out here? No, two? Okay, good, guys. Yeah, we're not cardio guys, right? We don't do long-distance running. I mean, the godfather of baseball is Babe Ruth. Have you ever seen him? He is not the picture of health. Okay, he was not secretarial on the base paths. He probably drank and smoked in between innings in the dugout. He's one of the greatest baseball players of all time. 
Okay? So all we know as baseball players is how to sprint at things. And so that's how I did this Christian life. I'm going to sprint. Yes, I'm saved by grace. Yes, Jesus has saved me. But now that I'm a Christian, it is all up to me. Maybe you remember the sports axiom. If it's going to be, it's up to me. Right? That's how I approach the Christian life. And guess what happened? I burn out miserably. I was like my friend Jason, who began running as an adult. Jason didn't play sports growing up. He did other things. As an adult, he decided, I need to get in shape. So I'm going to go to the track and I'm going to start running. So he went to the track. He began running. Guess what he did? He started sprinting. He sprinted about one quarter of the way around the track and then fell down in exhaustion. He had no idea how to pace himself. He had no endurance. He didn't know that when you go to the track, you, you get in a pace which you can sustain for the length of your run. That's how I approached the Christian life. I was exhausted and burnt out. It was only through the gospel that I began to experience and grow and develop endurance in the Christian life. The Christian life is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Eugene Peterson calls the Christian life a long obedience in the same direction. Okay? If the Christian life was a board game, it would be Monopoly or Settlers, not Perfection or Uno. If the Christian life was a video game, it would be Minecraft, not Smash Bros. If the Christian life was a book, it would be Lord of the Rings. I read that this year. It took me six months. It's so long. Not, it's not green eggs and ham, right? Like, you're not going to sit down and knock it out in a couple minutes. The Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. And the quality that you need for all marathon activities is endurance. What is endurance? Endurance is the act or quality of withstanding stress or hardship. It's the, the act of persevering. Endurance is the act or quality of withstanding stress or hardships. To persevere in the Christian life, you need the ability to withstand the stress and the hardships of sin and suffering in your life. You need endurance. And what I want you to see this week, tonight and this week, and what we'll try to hit on in some way in every single talk, is that endurance is a gift of the everlasting God. Endurance is a gift of the everlasting God. And we receive it for the gospel of grace, and we develop it for the gospel of grace. We receive it and we develop the gospel of grace. But I've got to spend a few minutes first convincing you that you need endurance. Okay? And then where to find it. So our, our anchor text for the week is going to be Isaiah 40, verses 27 through 31. Alright? So in some way, we're going to start here every night and then branch off. Do we, do we have that posted up here? Isaiah 40, 27 through 31. Are we going to have that? I can get it for you. Sorry. Or you can open up your Bibles. You probably have those. Open up your Bibles. Isaiah 40. It's in the Old Testament. Okay? If, you, uh, you know, if you're like me and it's hard to find sometimes, just open up to the middle. You'll probably hit the Psalms and turn right. And just keep turning. <laughs> Take it to Isaiah. 
Okay? And then if you can't count to 40, I can't help you talk to it, Jeremy. <laughs> Isaiah 40, verses 27 through 31. It's our passage for the week. We think, Dave, should I wait or should I just go ahead and read it? It's good. Just read it? Okay. So in verse 27, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even himself shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's the word of the Lord. The first thing I want you to see is that you have a need for endurance. You have a need for supernatural endurance. In verse 29 it says, Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. I know that you are all young, and you're full of energy and vitality. You Physically, mentally, and spiritually, you guys are on the uptick. Like it is going up. Okay? And so, you, you know, most of you are going to continue to increase in intelligence and athletic ability and energy, you know, for a few more years to get like, you know, 25 or so. All right. So you're on the upswing. If you're a counselor or somebody else, you know, you're, you're, you're right there about as good as it's going to be. And then it's going to start. It's going to start going downhill after that. Okay. But right now you're on the uptick. But eventually, you will run out of gas. It says right here, you are going to grow weary. It means you're going to get tired. And when you grow weary, you're going to fail under the pressure of life. You're going to end up fainting. You're going to grow weak. And you're going to have lack of power to really use your strength. You're going to lose your durability and your stability that comes from your youth. And eventually, you're going to fail. You're going to fall. As your mind and your body and your soul begin to give out. Now, I remember what it was like to be a high schooler. I remember it. Okay? I remember, you know, you're waking up frantically to get ready for school. You're going to go to class. You're going to try to learn as much of your material as possible. You're going to study in between classes for the test that you were supposed to study for the night before, but you didn't. You're going to take that test. And then after school, you're, you're going to go to your activity, or you're going to go to work, and you're going to spend your afternoon, your evenings, in your, in your activities, or in your work, whatever you choose to do. Then after that, you'll come home, you'll eat dinner, you'll need to study, but you'll procrastinate, so you'll talk to your friends for a few hours, and then it'll hit about 9 o'clock, and you'll go, oh no, I actually need to study, and you'll try to study for a few hours, and then you'll be exhausted, and you'll fall asleep with drool on your textbook, and then wake up the next day and do it all over again. And then in the midst of that, you're trying to make friends, keep friends, uh, live with your parents, live with your siblings, and endure all the spiritual ups and downs that comes with all those relationships. I'm tired just thinking about it. It's exhausting. I remember those days. I remember as a youth minister regularly having students that would put in 16-hour days 
plus, and they would just be exhausted. Take that stress, that exhaustion, that fatigue, and I want you to multiply it by the number of people in your family, and that's what it feels like to be an adult. <laughs> that's what they call adulting. Okay, so let me tell you what happens. Okay, as you're you get to this peak of your energy level, about 25 or so, then everything starts going downhill, and then you get kids, and you get a job, and you have a career, right? And so your responsibilities and your stress and your anxiety only goes up as your energy level and your strength goes down. It's enough to give anybody low T. It's going to happen. There's a reason why there's all those commercials for it. It happens to everybody. It's exhausting. And I'm here to prepare you for it. I'm just being honest with you. You will need endurance. And you will need endurance to follow Jesus through all of those things. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And then in the New Testament, it says, if anyone endures to the end, then he will receive the crown of life. So you've got to follow Jesus daily. You've got to endure to the end through all this stress and hardship and sin and suffering. And then you receive this long awaited for gift of the crown of life. To do that, you need endurance. Now, here's what happens in the midst of all that sin and suffering and your weariness. You begin to look to other gods to sustain you. And that's what happened to the Israelites in this passage. Isaiah was prophesying about a time when they would go into Babylon, when they would be exiled because they were rebellious. And there in their exile, the Lord is saying that he will sustain them, but they are going to be tempted to worship other gods. It says it in Isaiah 40. They're going to be tempted to worship gods of wood, silver, and gold. These were false gods that would promise to save them if they bowed down and worshiped them. Now, we don't have, probably in this group, I'm guessing, we don't have anybody who's bowing down to a god of wood, silver, or gold. But what we have are false gods that are good things in this world that we elevate to ultimate things to worship, to try to save us. Things like relationships with, with friends, with people of the opposite sex. Uh, we worship school, activities, sports, work, video games. Anything that we take that's a good thing that God has given us, that we elevate and make an ultimate thing, and we look to that thing to satisfy and sustain us, that is an idol. That is a false god. And here's one of the many problems with our false gods is they cannot sustain us. They will only weary us and make us more and more exhausted. Take social media, for example. Social media is one way that we try to create our own identity. One way that we try to gain acceptance and approval. And so what do we do? We spend hours crafting this social media presence, building up our friends, building up our likes, creating these uh, posts that are curated to make us look happy and successful and well-liked and beautiful and smart or funny or whatever it is. We put all our time and energy into doing that. And we want that to save us and sustain us and give us approval. 
You may even stay up all night doing those things and literally become physically exhausted because you're spending so much time on social media. It's one of the many ways we create false gods to try to give us what the only true God can give us. And it makes us weary. It drains us. It exhausts us. Now, I don't want you to think that this problem is a problem only with non-Christians. This is a Christian problem. This is a problem of people who know the creeds, know the catechisms, who've been in good Reformed Presbyterian churches every day of their life. I was a campus minister for seven years. And let me just be honest with you. I'm not exaggerating when I say the most exhausted people on OSU's campus were the Christians. Because what they wrote down on paper as their theology is not what they believed in their heart and they practiced with their hands. I remember one girl in particular who was an extreme case of this. She was involved in going to church. She was involved in campus ministry. She was uh, actively involved on campus. She was in her sorority. She was pretty, happy, well-liked. She stayed up all hours of the night studying and doing Bible studies and hanging out with her friends and everybody loved her. And then one day she passed out in the shower because she was exhausted. Her theology that she put on paper was not the theology that she believed in her heart and not the theology that she practiced every day. Even though she believed the gospel, she was worshiping false gods. She grew faint. She grew weary and she fell. What about you? Where in your life do you experience weariness and fatigue? Where are you worshiping false gods of this world that will eventually not sustain you? You need endurance. You need the endurance, the supernatural endurance that only the everlasting God can give you. And that's the second thing we see in this passage. Is that there is an everlasting God with supernatural endurance. Look back at verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Isaiah reminds the people of what they already know. And I want to remind you what you already know, right? Is that the Lord is your covenant God and he is the everlasting God. He has no beginning and he has no end. He is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. His energy is limitless and inexhaustible. He is so powerful that he holds, uh, Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 40, he holds the waters in the hollow of his hands. He's marked off the heavens with a span. Think about all the dust and all the mountains all around us. Isaiah says that he has he gathered the dust and he has weighed the mountains. He is the creator God that is that dwells, he sits enthroned above the earth, he spreads the heavens like a curtain and he uses them as a tent to dwell in. The people are like grasshoppers to him. The princes and kings he brings to nothing. That is the creator of the universe and that is your covenant God. Not only that, but he possesses all knowledge necessary to act wisely on our behalf. Nobody had to teach him the path of justice. Nobody had to teach him the path of wisdom, right? 
His wisdom, knowledge, justice, goodness, and truth are infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. His understanding is so far beyond ours that Isaiah says it is unsearchable. That we can't even begin to grasp with our finite minds the unsearchable glories of his creation. He is a supernatural God of endurance. And there is no stress and there is no hardship that can overcome him. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they saw this commercial. When, when we were younger, you know, us old people, there was the Energizer Bunny, right? And the Energizer Bunny was a pink bunny that had Energizer batteries and it had little drums and a headphones. And he would and you'd have this commercial, and commercial after commercial, the whole point of the commercial was that the Energizer Bunny never ran out of energy. He keeps going and going and going and going. That's the everlasting God, and that is your God. And if that wasn't incredible enough that this God exists, here's the good news about this God, this all-powerful, all-knowing God of creation graciously gives his power to those who receive. Endurance is a gift of the everlasting God, and he gives it to those who receive it. Look at verse 29. He says, I'm sorry, yeah, in verse 29, Isaiah, in verse 29, it says that God gives power to the faint and strength to the exhausted. How? Verse 31, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not be. So God strengthens those who wait on him. He gives endurance to those who wait on him. Okay? That, I've been thinking a lot about that phrase. What does it mean for us to wait on the Lord? Okay? We're going to unpack that over the next three nights. Waiting on the Lord involves three things that we're going to talk about. Okay? It, it involves obedience. Yeah, I know. We're reformed Presbyterian. We're going to talk about obedience tomorrow night. The law. It's like Jeremy said Get grace tonight, law tomorrow. Obedience. Okay? God gives endurance to obedience. Resting to obedience, resting, and expecting. God removes our strength through those three things. Obedience, resting, and expecting. We're going to talk about that the next three nights. Okay? But what I want to close with as we sort of um, introduce everything tonight is this is this, uh, this renewing endurance, this strength that God gives, is a gracious gift. It's a gift. It was a gift for the Israelites, and it's a gift for us. Uh, God said, you're going to go into Babylon, you're going to be exiled there, but I'm going to, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to save you. And all the rest of the book of Isaiah is about this great Savior that is going to come and rescue these rebellious people that worship these false gods. And that's exactly what happened. God rescued them. He saved them, even though they worshiped false gods. He brought them back to the promised land. But they were always waiting for a redeemer who would fully and finally save them. And they waited for hundreds and hundreds of years until Jesus came. But the, the, uh, the Old Testament describes the love of this everlasting God as a hesed love or a steadfast love. And I love the way the Jesus Storybook Bible says it. It says that God loves us with a never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. It's a faithful love. 
This everlasting God has a love that endures. And that love endured to rescue these Israelite people, and that love endured to rescue us. This, this, create, this creator God who reigns over all things knew that the only way he was going to rescue us is if he became a man. And when Jesus Christ came to earth, that this great God that dwelled in the heavens became a speck. I want you to think about this way. This is, this is how incredible it is. Okay? If you take the entire universe and you think about the Milky Way galaxy, right? We live in the Milky Way galaxy. It is one of hundreds of billions of galaxies. Okay? So imagine the Milky Way galaxy, which is one of you know one of hundreds of billions of galaxies out there, is the size of North America. Okay? So our galaxy is the size of North America. Our solar system, the one that we live in here, Earth, you know, it would be like the size of a cup of coffee in the state of Idaho. Right? A cup of coffee in the state of Idaho, that's the size of our solar system. And Earth would be a speck of dust in that cup of coffee. And Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, became a speck of dust on that speck of dust for us. Because God loved us that much. And he knew the only way he was going to rescue us is if he came and lived the life that we couldn't live and died the death that we should have died. So that when we come to him and say, I'm weak, I'm faint, I've failed, I've worshipped false gods, I'm rebellious, I'm idolatrous. When we come to him and we confess those things, he saves us. He rescues us. And he does something incredible. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. Romans 5 says the, the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is that powerful gift that gives you the gospel of grace and it gives you the endurance you need to live the Christian life. Endurance is a gift of grace from the everlasting God. And this is what it looks like. In your life. I'm going to give you one more story to close with. Um, I read a story a few years ago about a father-son named Rick and Dick Hoyt who compete in triathlons together. Dick is the father, Rick is the son. Together, the Hoyts have finished 1,091 race events. They have competed, including 252 triathlons, six of which were the Ironman distance. 70 marathons, 94 half marathons, and 155 5K races. That's pretty incredible, right? Well, here's what's really incredible about it. Rick, the son, is physically disabled. He cannot speak, and he has no usage of his arms and legs. So when they do a triathlon together, when they run... Dick pushes his son while his son sits in a cart. And when they bike, Dick pulls his son on a cart with the bike. And when they swim, Rick sits in a boat and Dick tows the boat while he swims. The father supplies the power for him and the son to finish every single race that they can. That is a picture of what it looks like 
for the everlasting God to give you the endurance you need to live the Christian life. We participate with him as he supplies the power for us to run the race to follow Jesus Christ every day and to receive the crown of life at the end. Endurance is a gift of the everlasting God. We receive it by God's grace. We develop it by God's grace. That's what we're going to hopefully do this week. So let's pray together, because again, it won't happen in our power. It only happens by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the glories of the gospel. It's unfathomable to think that someone as awesome and powerful and knowledgeable and wise and just and good and true as you, that you would create us, these specks of dust, that you would love us so much that you gave your only son for us, that you would redeem us, and that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Oh, that our lives would reflect that and enjoy it and live out of it. That is the gospel of grace. And I pray this week as we um, meditate on your word, as we study together and talk together and worship together, that you, the everlasting God, would give us the endurance to run this race to receive the crown of life, and take up our cross and follow Jesus every day. Endurance, Father, is a gift of your grace. We receive it through the gospel of grace, and we develop it through the gospel of grace. Uh, may you give us the Holy Spirit this week so that we might do that. In Jesus' name.